1: The Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone.
2: Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I am your social worker with a microphone, and you are listening to the Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmericaRadio.com. My co-host, Lauren Beller Blake. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. We have three guests on this morning, but before we start talking to our guests, Lauren and I have to talk to each other, catch up. So how are you doing this
3: morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I am well. I have, um, it's uh, crazy in Texas. We had snow yesterday, which means we have no school today. Crazy, don't ask, cause it's just the way it is. And But snow in Texas means what? It means morning. that there's no school today, so that means I have my daughter home with me.
2: So you have, what, a four-year-old home with you today? I do, so if uh-huh. you hear a
3: little four-year-old voice in the background, you'll know why.
2: Alright, so Lauren, here it is, mom, work balance, we got the whole thing. You have a radio show to do and you have, what, two four-year-olds sitting there ready to, (laughs) ready to do you're not sure what. How do you, how do you manage it? Knowing Um, that
3: perhaps... It's very much today, I feel like juggling, you know, you gotta figure out how to make it all happen, but we are, you know, we pull it together. Another mom, she needed to go to work too, so we have her daughter here. So I thought two was better than one.
2: You're right, and you know, most people, you know, that's a good p- piece of advice, Lauren, because I think most, w- maybe you wouldn't get into that mindset. I don't know that I would. I would be thinking, what am I going to do with this one child while well, I'm on the radio? I have to do something with her, and I'd be thinking getting another adult over, or what do I do? But that's a good, I'd keep her occupied.
3: That's what I thought. We'll try. I mean, it's the first, first time we're trying it, so um, you're, a, you're a test today, Catherine. Okay, good. And if it doesn't work
2: out, we'll let the girls get on and we can talk to them.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you can start early. I was watching the Olympics last night having my usual insomnia and I, one of the, I think maybe she won the Olymp, one of the Olympians from Colorado Springs. Did you see her? Yeah. Uh, I didn't see
3: it last night. I saw it this morning. <clears did throat> <a throat> it was the They so did
2: a video of her when she was three years old on the ice. She
3: was three, started at three.
2: Amazing, amazing. amazing. She was all dressed up in one of those little pink tutu things. She had her skates on. She was skating beautifully. I mean, she had the focus at age three, not just the skill, but the focus.
3: It's amazing. I also heard that, um, I think it is in Vail, I could be wrong about the ski resort, Um, they start teaching kids skiing at two and a half. Two and a half years old. For me, that's
2: too young, unless the kid has a special talent. Cause I no, think they, they take
3: any kid at two and a half. As long as they're two and a half, they can go. I mean, they're still in diapers a lot of them at two and a half.
2: Disgusting. Diapers in a ski house. <laughs> <laughs> that does not sound like fun. You're right. No. It's like putting these babies in swimming pools at swimming clubs with their diapers on. I immediately I get out of the pool. I know. It's not so, it's, a... it's an awful thought yeah I don't like that. It's disgusting. Let's talk about work balance because I think that's a topic that you Ugh. mentioned to me. we had a conversation, and you were saying this is a topic that it's, it's
3: becoming kind of more and more is- dear to my heart and so for so many reasons, obviously for me personally with a four year old you know and working as much as I do, and not that I'm working I don't work forty or fifty hours a week i I mean if I work thirty to thirty five and that includes nights you know that includes after seven seven thirty when she goes to sleep um but the point is, is I think that I think that so many more people are thinking, especially with the economy and people being laid off. And do we have women, to
2: say women? Women. We're not talking about men right now. We're talking about women. I am
3: talking about women because I do think that women have more of a um, innate desire to balance the work life thing and be present with their kids. I don't think I don't think dads don't have that innate pull to be sure that there's that work-life balance thing happening. If they have 10 quality minutes with their kids, I think that I'm speaking it so generally, um, that I think that they feel like they're, they're done enough, they've done enough. But I don't think moms feel like that. So I think the work-life balance thing is becoming – it's a big deal as women are trying to figure out how to bring in income and have time with their families – it's a big deal. It's a really well, big deal. Well, being present, I think you said it, that's the key word, being
2: present with their kids. Not just being there, but being present, like being really connected and available. So how do you do it? How do you do it? Because, you know, you can read all these books about how to do it, but then all right, we have a real-life mom, uh, you, with a four-year-old and somebody who is a coach who's been telling other people what to do <laughs> for many years.
3: Yep. Now what are you doing? Well, I do have to say that the more I take to be time to I take to be present with her, the more it gives me permission to go to work. So, if I'm able to be present and give her like yesterday for example, it was snowing, school was out early, and I was um I had to, you know, I my work was interrupted. So, I had the afternoon, I had some work I had to get done, but I first took the time to engage with her and be present and have conversation and um you know, learn about her day. And that was, and do projects with her. And then I went to work. You know, then I said, I have a couple projects I need to do. And she was great about it. But you know, if I had done it the other way around, it probably wouldn't have worked.
2: But what about this, Lauren? Do you feel that it's difficult or is something that you have to focus on? Like, don't you have to compartmentalize? Okay, you didn't plan for this. It snows. You know, your daughter comes home from school, you're planning to do work, now you're engaging with her. Are you thinking while you're engaging with her, well, I've got this, this, and this to do, so I... I
3: could do that. I mean, I could do that. I am conscious to try not to do that. I'm very conscious about, because if you are doing that, you're not engaged. So, mentally, you have to compartmentalize. You have to put that aside, right? I don't, that word, I don't know what about that word. It doesn't, it doesn't, to me, it's about being conscious about being present. Is that compartmentalizing? It could be, Um, but I think that the point for me is to make a choice in the moment of what am I, what am I choosing to do, and be 100% present with it. You know, whether I'm writing a piece for you know a magazine or whether I am playing Candyland. You know, it's which what 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 am I choosing to do in this moment and do it fully. And I think that's really important. I think multitasking is for the birds. I think women should not multitask and. I know this is it's contradictory to what we talked about a decade ago. I know we've always talked about multitasking and how important it is to do so many things at one time. I think that if you're really wanting to work and have a good quality relationship with your kids, you can't multitask. It, it's going to get in the way of both. How about limiting your multitasking, even exactly. if you use those words?
2: You've exactly. Exactly. got a guest, another a coach, a guy, a man, coming on at the end of the show. And he. I think one of the things that he talks about in the workplace, this isn't at home like what you're talking about, but he says don't have a whole list of 10 or 20 things to do. Hey, what about three
3: important I things to do? I agree with that. Do? When I do that and I say the exact same thing, choose three things that need to get done today. And I actually have three things for work and one or two things for personal. And, you know, so it's five. It's limited to five, but I divide it in half, work and personal. Do you do that every day? Do you I wake do up in the every morning? Day. No, I had, I wrote down three things on Monday. Today's Wednesday. Those three things were not complete yet. I didn't get all of them done. I only got one done yesterday because of how my day unfolded. So they got moved over to today. Now if I had had ten things on it, I would have felt even worse about myself, you know? And you have to, Lauren, you have
2: to take into account when things that you don't plan happen, like exactly. snow days and kids being home. So I think one of the other issues, this is from the so from, well, from Catherine, from the social worker, I think that you have to be prepared for the unexpected and, and, and really be aware of how you react or relate to that. Mm-hmm. Like, well, cause things are gonna go wrong during the week, even though st- Three things that you have as your work list that you want to accomplish. Something's going to get in the way of doing that, so I think that being really aware of how do I respond to those things that get in the way, so that I don't go nuts, I don't take it out on my kid, my husband, or uh, or I just don't, you know, or I just get so flustered that I don't accomplish anything. Because I think that,
3: yeah, you agree? Totally agree with you. Sorry, I was taking a sip of tea. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. totally agree with you. So I do think that, now I have another twist on this whole work-life balance thing. I was speaking to my very liberal father the other day. (laughs) I met your father, and he is very liberal. Obviously, you've met him, yeah. He's very obviously way, you know, way liberal. But he was saying, you know, he just sees a solution to this problem, and I thought this is an interesting economic solution, and it goes along with this whole work-life balance thing. So his thought is, what if... This is a crazy idea, but I have to just put it out there and see. I want to talk about it with somebody, and I haven't had the opportunity. So I thought, Catherine's a great person to throw it out to. Throw it out. Give it to me. Tell me what it is. Rather than working, you know, so many people, men and women, work 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, and they're working on salary, some of them, and, you know, flat rates. Some of them are working hourly and making a lot of money, you know. But what if we reduce the work week so that people – we're encouraged to work less, not necessarily make less, I'm sorry, they may make less because they're working less hours, but it allows for more people to work in the world. And they also have a better quality of life. So we may increase our bottom line slightly, our our, our hourly wage slightly, or maybe not, but we start reducing our, you know, simplifying our life so that we're not buying so much stuff at the big box stores. We're not keeping up with this crazy materialistic lifestyle that we've grown to but we begin to some people want to simplify and it gives them a better quality of life but if we limited the hours of the work week versus going from 40 to 30 even um, we might be able to employ so many more people I thought you know that's an interesting concept and it goes along with a lot more women are choosing to work from home and have significant incomes working from home but they're not doing it in 80 and 90 hours a week at home they're doing it in 30 hours a week
2: Similar See, to how I, I, I think you just hit on what I'm about to uh, respond to. We've got a couple minutes left, then you and I have to go to break. But I think that's a really, really good example of being able – I mean, it's being creative um, in terms of allowing more people to get in the workforce. But also, Lauren, I think that's a good idea because I think if you only have – if you're more limited in terms of the hours, I think that you, that it, it forces people in a good way to accomplish more in less time. Exactly. I mean, with that. not something that's impossible to, you know, you don't give somebody a 10 hour work week with 40 hours worth of work.
3: Exactly. But I, I agree with it's that. A
2: lot of wasted time, a lot of wasted energy, too much multitasking, too much stuff. You can get rid of some of that stuff and get down to the core kinds of the things cl- that you have totally to accomplish agree with at it. work.
3: So I'm thinking of taking it on as a, like, what if we were to help people do that? I just love the concept. I think that there's it's, it goes along with, you know, the whole concept of simplifying our lives and be, having more people more productive. So
2: how would you do that? How would you get on the bandwagon? I mean, that's an enormous task if you're going to do it from a Well, government. I just think
3: that we can. I can do it by talking about it and also encouraging women business owners as they hire people, hire people for 20 to 35 hours a week versus 40 to 50 to change their structure of how they're hiring people to employ more. And what's that going to do is naturally attract women, some men, but naturally attract women who want less hours, decent pay, and have work-life balance. Yeah, I think I think it's an
2: idea that it's practical. And I think if it's implemented properly and, you know, people have to understand maybe that you are going to do your work differently. I think probably you have to, I mean, you as a coach uh, you know, you'd have to really talk about specifically how you're going to accomplish the same thing in ten hours less, for instance. I mean, exactly. really be cognizant and aware of how you're going to do that. If you're working forty hours a week, now you're working thirty hours a week. How can you get the same thing done?
3: Right, and how? And, but I do think that we can get eighty percent of it, if not more, done. I mean, maybe even ninety percent. It's going to be. All right, we're going, going, going to more take, focused, as you said. take a, a to break. We problem. don't have that much
2: time. See, we can't do it ourselves. Lauren Beller Blake, Catherine Zox, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. You're listening to the Catherine Zox Show. At least we hope you're listening to us this morning. I'm your social worker with a microphone. We'll be back in a minute. Coming up next is Dr. Mary Jane Minken.
4: Your voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. I've got the power. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantilla each week for the program Making Peace With Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace With Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel.
0: And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show, Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety.
4: Stimulating talk gets
1: those synapses in the brain inspired really fast.
4: All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: listening to the Catherine Zox Show if you'd like to join our conversation this morning call now the toll free number is 866-472-5788 that number again is
2: 866-472-5788 we're back I'm Catherine Zox your social worker with a microphone it's the Catherine Zox Show on voiceamericavariety.com with my co-host Lauren Beller Blake again everyone thanks for joining us uh, joining Lauren and me this morning is Dr. Mary Jane Minken. Uh, M.D., Clinical Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Yale University School of Medicine, also in private practice, author of many books, including the Yale Guide to Women's Reproductive Health and a Woman's Guide to Sexual Health. Uh, Dr. Minkin is here to talk to us this morning about a new test. Being pregnant is big news, as we all know, all of, those, all of us who have been pregnant. And here's some big news about pregnancy. Uh, am I pregnant? This is one of the most important questions that will cross the minds of the 61 million American women who are of childbearing years. And, of course, this includes their spouses, significant others, and, and and their families. Waiting to find out can be an anxious time for women and their families. Yet, a brand-new innovation in pregnancy testing now allows a woman to find out if she is pregnant sooner than ever before. Dr. Mary Jane Minkin, what are we talking about? There's a whole new, a whole new test. Um, it sounds like we can find out if we're pregnant almost right after conception. Welcome to the well, show.
5: Not exactly afterwards, but close. Thanks so much, Catherine, for the really kind introduction, and thank you for getting out all this information to your listeners. It's great. Well, you know, if I always tell people that, you know, I'm so old as a practitioner that I want to, you know, when people started looking, are they pregnant, aren't they pregnant? When I started training, we sort of had to wait till the rabbit died to tell people. I mean, <laughs> this is like, you know, amazing things have happened in the world of pregnancy testing in the last 30 years. And, you know, it's gotten to the point until fairly recently that with some of the newest innovations in home pregnancy, Test kits that you could tell a woman she was, you know, that she was pregnant five days before she missed her period. Well, now there's a new advance on that, and this is the first response early result pregnancy test kit that can actually tell you you're pregnant six days before the day of the missed period, which isn't quite the moment of conception, but it's getting close there. And you know, this test to me is really amazing. You know, with the, the test, you know, unsuppressed accuracy in this test that it can really tell you that early that you're pregnant, which so is Dr.
2: important Lincoln, for a whole bunch. How of accurate years. is it? I mean, it's, it's that- accurate.
5: I mean, you know. Now, of course, one thing that we have to remember is, you know, if you do the test, you know, the, you know, six days before you do to have your period, and the test shows that you're not pregnant, well, don't get all discombobulated. And I'd repeat it in a couple of days because, of course, you know, you know, everybody doesn't at- ovulate exactly the same time every month. Even a woman who has regular twenty-eight day cycles, well, she may be stressed a little bit and then ovulated two days later and got pregnant two days later, something like that. So we can't, you know, predict that everybody's going to ovulate at exactly the same time. But basically, the test is pretty darn. You know, Sensitive, and that you know, with with standard ovulation type stuff, you're finding out you know within eight nine days after you've ovulated and conceived that you're pregnant way before you miss.
2: So, how available is this test? I mean, is this something? available that is
5: just you... at your corner pharmacy now. It's there. Yeah, it's over the counter. Wise, basically...
2: is it covered by insurance, or do you have to pay yourself? Or uh, and how how much does it cost?
5: Basically, these are tests. The six-day kit is just replacing the current five-day kits out there. Um, I believe that most insurances will not cover this because this is totally over-the-counter, you know, and available, you know, again at your, you know, corner supermarket and pharmacy and stuff like that. But the test basically sells for under fifteen dollars in most pharmacies, so it's it's pretty inexpensive as far as finding this out, and it just basically replaces the older tests that were out there previously.
2: So this test is available to everyone. This sounds fantastic. You're right. I wish I had that when I was getting pregnant um, or trying to get pregnant. Sure. Why? Why do we need to know so quickly? Let's talk about that because you talk. You know, I mean, we have more choices. You're anxious about being pregnant. Either you want to be or you don't want to be. But let's. You know, why do we have to know right away whether we're pregnant or not? Well,
5: I think psychologically women really, I mean, again, really women would like to know within 20 minutes of conception <laughs> isn't going to happen uh, as far as finding out. But women who are really trying, you know, and again, we always encourage women who are trying to get pregnant to come in for a preconception visit with, you know, your OBGYN or family practice, you know, person, whatever, to get you in good shape. You know, we want you not smoking, not drinking, not taking drugs, making sure you're on the correct medications. There are some medications for chronic illnesses we prefer women not take during pregnancy and stuff, and we can always scooch over to one. It is So we encourage everybody, you know, and I've worked with folks in the March of Dimes to try to get this message out, you know, meet with your doc first before you get pregnant. But nonetheless, one of the things that really reinforces that good behavior, you know, okay, is knowing that you're pregnant. You know, okay, and the sooner you know, the sooner you're going to say, yep, I really can't smoke, can't drink, want to make sure, of course, that you're taking a vitamin with folic acid in it. You know, all this stuff is ideal to start doing even before you try to conceive, but certainly once you have that news that you're pregnant, you know, you'll start really reinforcing Reinforcing that good behavior and the other thing that most women don't realize is that a lot of changes happen in embryonic development long before you miss that period You know, okay the organ systems are really beginning to be laid down you know very quickly and one day is very significant you know the sooner you know the more again we want you doing good things but it's going to really reinforce good behavior and then so course, are you course
2: the, uh, Dr. Minkin and that like that uh, from the moment of conception and you're just talking about a couple weeks then uh, that Things are happening the the embryo is growing that you could affect the embryo let's sure. say if you drank too much or you smoked too much or you you know I mean, those are the only two things that I can think of. Or Mm -hmm. if you did drugs, obviously, that's not good either.
5: But it really could affect the growing embryo. They can affect things, absolutely. And that's why I think the sooner women know, the sooner it's going to reinforce that good behavior. Yeah, I really am going to lay off those cigarettes. I really am not going to drink. You know, all of which, now it's hard to quantify, you know, the exact amount that one-day difference is going to make. But a lot of stuff happens in early embryonic development, we know. And, of course, the other thing that I think that's really helpful to know very early is, of course, we ideally all doc would like to say that all patients are planning for pregnancy, you know, and get pregnant, and that's, that's a planned event. But, but we know that's not true. Exactly. And in the United States, about half of the pregnancies are unplanned. You know, it's like, whoops, well, I got pregnant, you know, <laughs> okay, you know, now we've got to deal with it. So let's say, for example, you know, you have, uh, we have a holiday coming up that people drink occasionally, like St. Patrick's Day or something like that, and let's say, you know, you're planning on going out to a party, you know, okay, and, well, you haven't been so careful about having protected sex, and, well, hey, maybe you're pregnant, you know, and stuff like that and you know if you have a test that's available very early to say well let me do a home pregnancy test just on the off chance that I might be pregnant and well if I'm pregnant maybe I shouldn't have that extra drink and stuff like that so this can even come in handy in those situations that women who aren't necessarily planning to become pregnant but are concerned that gee I might be maybe this will reinforce some good behavior early on.
2: All right now we're talking or we have been talking about Dr. Mengan, about people who want to uh, want to be pregnant
1: you mm-hmm. want to carry
2: the baby to full term what about the other what if you ha- want to make a choice how does this affect a pro choice perhaps you're in a situation where you want to terminate the pregnancy mm-hmm. is this yeah so because this is another choice that a woman can make
5: Absolutely, And I think that knowing it, you know, okay, she says, hmm, I wasn't planning to get pregnant, but, oops, I am. Then she can start, you know, turning her thoughts to, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to carry? Am I going to terminate? You know, what am I going to do? And it will get her into her health care provider to help her chat about options and stuff like that much earlier. So, again, I think this is a plus in any circumstance as far as because knowledge is good. You know what? Knowing is important. And, you know, if you say, no, it's going to reinforce good behavior, or maybe I'm not, maybe I'm up in the air, that this will, you know, give her the opportunity to start thinking about things much earlier.
2: And I think another thing, this whole issue of, I, you know, I think you do mention this, I mean, less anxiety, because anxiety sure. is not a good thing either. Anxiety and stress uh, about whether or not you're pregnant is right. just as, can be as deleterious as smoking too much or drinking too much uh, uh, if you're stressed out uh, about not knowing whether you're pregnant and what choices sure. are available to you.
5: Sure, absolutely, and I think that stress is a huge issue, and I think, again, knowledge is always good, and if it can alleviate some of that stress, that's terrific, and the sooner we know, the better. I think it's great.
2: Is there anybody, or any group, or that you, that, uh, um is against this kind of a test, or is there any backlash to this, or is there just, you know, very positive? We've got, you know, you've developed it, it's out on the market, it's a good thing, and that's it.
5: Well, a couple of things. I can't claim credit for developing it. Some very smart chemists. <laughs>
2: No, oh, I was, was going to give you credit
5: for stuff that. like that. I'm just delighted <laughs> they did their work. I think it's terrific. Uh, so I can't claim credit, but I think they've done a darn good job. Um, you know, as far as downside, I don't. you know, I've, I've always been that, that knowledge is good. You know, and I can't see much of a downside of knowing early, so I think it's a good thing.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've always felt that way. You know, information is power, and it gives you the option for choices.
5: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, knowing is good, you know, and you know, and also just not knowing doesn't make something go away. You know, so it's like, oh, gee, well, maybe I'm pregnant. I don't want to be pregnant. Well, you know, if you are, you are, and that's the facts. But now, you know, let's start thinking about how am I going to do, you know, what am I going to be taking care of here?
2: Yeah, so let's say you find out you are pregnant and let's say you're in college and you don't want to be pregnant and you're not with a significant other and you got pregnant, you know, for maybe a boyfriend, maybe somebody you just slept with, What is the responsibility? So, okay, now you know you're pregnant just in a few days. Is there a responsibility to tell the person that you think got you pregnant or do you need not to say anything?
5: Oh, that's a very good question, and 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 you're the expert with the counseling and stuff like that. And here's some tough things. I mean, again, I think knowledge is important, and I think sharing things is very important. You know, so I'm a big advocate of of sharing knowledge and, and discussing with significant others and things like that. But I think the other important thing is you want to be in talking to your healthcare provider, nurse practitioner, nurse midwife, doc, you know, to say, okay, I am in the state. Where am I going? What are my choices? What should I be doing? So I think yes, talking to a significant other is important. But I personally would even put putting the healthcare provider in there, you know, at least as high, if not higher, to help you make some you know healthy healthy care decisions.
2: Yeah. So then it's really important to get a good healthcare provider. You Absolutely. To...
5: I've always been an advocate of you know you want to always have a healthcare provider that you feel comfortable talking with.
2: In your experience, because you're at a university, you're at yale university, do you, universities the well yale and and obviously other universities, do you feel now that they do have good health care that for students, for instance? I mean, that's a good place to start. Do you think that they you know universe, i mean I know I'm being very general, but is this something that you see in your work at yale and at other other universities that they provide good health care and good support? for women um...
5: And I, I can honestly say that I think that Yale certainly um, has had one of the earliest health care programs for students. You know, the Yale Health Plan has been in existence for many, many years. I um, mean, I came to this institution 38 years ago, and it was, you know, it was thriving at that point, you know, providing very good health care for the kids. Um, so I think that we've had a model for folks. And I think most places actually do have a good health care structure in place, you know, somebody to talk to, give you medical advice, give you counseling and stuff like that. And so certainly if you are, you know, a young woman, and in college, I would certainly talk to your university healthcare people. For people though who, you know, don't have a health plan or you know around or somebody to talk to, you can always give folks at Planned Parenthood a call because they are very I mean, they don't do just contraception. They do a lot of women's health. And, you know, there's always a branch around that you can start with them to just talk and say, okay, what's going on? Where do I go from here?
2: Yeah. I think that's good advice and I think and some universities do provide at least in my experience do do the you know what you're talking you know good healthcare or providers at like at Yale but some not so good. So there are other options. There are lots of options and of course now with the internet you can go online and find Correct. out what those options are.
5: Absolutely. Um,
2: we have to say goodbye. This was really um enlightening. I just want to mention the test one more time because anybody who's listening and perhaps thinks they're pregnant or wants to uh Go out and buy the test. What's the name of it?
5: The test, it's the First Response Early Result Pregnancy Test, and it's out there now.
2: Okay, great. Dr. Mary
5: Jane Minkin. thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much, Catherine, and thanks for getting this out to your listeners.
2: We'll be back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, Lauren Deller-Blake, my co-host, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Don't go away.
4: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866 472 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com.
2: Hi, this is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there.
4: All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in the sea around us said,
0: All at last return to the sea, to ocean us, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Green Talk Network.
4: Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio,
1: voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zoc Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll free number is 866 472 5788. That number again is 866 472
2: 5788. VoiceAmericaVariety.com, I am your social worker with a microphone. It's the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller-Blake, my co-host. Uh, glad you all are joining us this morning. And uh, our next guest is uh, Janice Rosler. She is a registered dietitian, certified diabetes educator, insulin pump trainer, columnist, radio host, and health media producer. Um Also, she's been uh, awarded the Diabetes Educator of the Year. So she's here to talk to us about, actually, she's about skin, I guess, skin for diabetics in the winter months. And, like, getting dry skin is not, if you have diabetes, it's a very serious problem. And, unfortunately, there are 23.6 million people in the United States with diabetes. So they face unique I guess, the unique care when it comes to dry skin. They have a higher incidence of skin complications due to potentially slower blood circulation, all kinds of problems. Twenty-three point six million people in the U.S. with diabetes. Uh, Lauren and I were saying before the show, I mean, that's, Janice, that's amazing. I mean, the numbers of people who suffer from diabetes.
6: Why? Well, I'm actually going to jump the number up even higher. The newest number is 26.3 million. So it's up there. There's 57 million people who have prediabetes, which means they're on their way to developing it. And about 5.7 million have it and do not know they have it. So we've got a lot of people there who need this type of information. uh, can we backtrack a little? uh, And why
2: do we have so many people, like you said, Lauren, earlier? Why do we have all these people who are
6: pre-diabetic and diabetic? I mean, thats it's
2: an epidemic.
6: Right. It is definitely an epidemic. And what we feel is that a lot has to do with lifestyle. First of all, you have to inherit the potential to get diabetes. So there is an inherited piece. But that said the environment and the way we live is the trigger. And uh, being inactive, which so many of us now just sit uh, sit around and don't go out and move the way we used to. Um, we eat fast foods. We gain weight. So inactivity and being overweight, having high stress, all these things are triggers for type 2 diabetes. So that's so what we see our in, in our life.
2: But, Janice, it's our lifestyle choices. We're making these choices.
6: Are we not? We are definitely making the choices. Uh, well, you know what? Let me put it this way. Yes, many of us are making the choices, but a lot of us are just along for the ride, especially our children who are modeling what they see at home, that they the parents aren't saying, look, physical activity is just as important as your homework. Get on your bicycle. Let's ride. Um, What we're doing is we've become a very sedentary nation and we uh, are are eating foods that are high in calorie and lower in nutrition because they're fast and easy and a lot of people don't realize that these behaviors are detrimental. So some are by choice and some are just by people who are, are living in our culture.
2: So in other words, the children don't have a choice, or they may not have a choice, and there are a lot of kids who are pre-diabetic as well as I understand it. But so we're making poor lifestyle choices. I think we have to be aware. I have to say that because, um, all right, now given that now we have 26.3 million people who are diagnosed with type two diabetes, it's winter time, um, that, and so it's particularly, I guess. What are you dangerous for them in terms of complications as a result of winter and skin irritations and dry skin?
6: Well, what happens is when blood sugar levels are higher than normal, it tends to slow blood circulation. And when you have slower circulation, healing is often slowed as well. So when people go out into the winter outside to play, which they should. They should be active. They should be out there doing things. Their skin can dry out, which makes it much more prone to scratching, to getting scratches or developing itches where they may scratch. If they get a cut, the cut can welcome infections and infections once they begin, especially in a person with diabetes, can be very, very challenging to treat. So the idea is to prevent any type of infection from happening, and take really good care of your skin. And I actually have a few suggestions that are not just for people with diabetes, they're for everybody, because the winter cold air is, is harsh on, on everyone's skin, but especially people with diabetes should take care. So a few suggestions are, first of all, to keep their toes nice and toasty by wearing thick, dry socks. That will keep their feet warm. It will promote strong circulation. They should moisturize using a a rich body lotion or cream that will help relieve any itch that is associated with dry skin, and it can help prevent irritation and cracking, and also take a good look at your skin every day. If you see any cracks, if you see any injury, treat it immediately so infections don't have time to develop. One thing that I like to suggest to my patients, is that they use Johnson & Johnson Red Cross brand Hurt free products to cover and protect cracked skin or a minor cut, minor wound. They really like them. The one nice thing is they don't stick to the wound. And you know, when you've put in a lot of effort to heal, the last thing you want is to uh, pull off the bandage and have all of that nice healed skin come with it. So they really like that. But the the bottom line really goes back to what we mentioned at the beginning. People should not be afraid to enjoy the season, to get away from the television and go outside and move. And maybe they're inspired by the Olympics. I sure am. So they may, you know, take walks, make snowmen, uh, luge, do something, ice skate. But really go outside, but don't, uh, before they go outside, they should really take care to protect their skin. So
2: you really do have to be prepared, I guess, and and as you're pointing out, I guess there are a lot, this being one of the things, if you are, or you suffer from diabetes,
6: you have to, I guess, be more vigilant, right, about how you take care of your body. Um, You really do. Actually, there's a famous quote that I, I wish I could remember who said it, but if you want to live a long, healthy life, you should develop a chronic disease and uh that That's actually terrible. goes for people you know, people with diabetes because i find that the people i counsel end up being healthier than their peers they're active they pay more closer attention to their weight they make healthier food choices they stay active they reduce their stress level and yeah, in turn they, they do better. better. Can you
2: reverse type two diabetes. I mean, I know type one diabetes is genetic, something you're born with, which is different. We're not going to get into that. But type two diabetes, which has to do with lifestyle and being overweight and stress and all the things you described, can you reverse it if you start living a healthy lifestyle? Let's say you're like 50 pounds overweight and you lose weight. Do you have a chance at, at becoming at at uh, at really eradicating or getting rid of the Condition?
6: Well, first of all, we know in terms of a cure, the cure is prevention. If you have the potential to develop type 2 diabetes and you really take care of your health, there's an extremely good chance that you will not develop it or you will certainly delay its development. If you so how do you know whether, whether or not you have a
2: propensity towards it? Is there a test? No.
6: No. Um, not one that's readily available. Usually, we just talk. We just look into people's um, histories, family history. The problem is, generations back, we never tested for type two diabetes, and also generations back, the lifestyle protected people. You. People, if your families came from Europe, for example, and lived on a farm, they were far more active. They didn't run out to any fast food restaurants. They were lean. They were active. They got plenty of rest. So the lifestyle was protective. So a lot of times people will say there's there's none in my family when, in fact, there probably was or the potential's there. But if you already have type 2 diabetes, What you can do is um, put it to sleep. It's not actually you're not curing it, but it is possible to have the symptoms disappear. And in that case, you are controlling it beautifully. I had one patient who put it this way. She said, "Diabetes is like a wild animal. If you if you ignore if you ignore it, then it's going to come and attack you and bother you." If you take good care of it, it will go lay down in the corner and go to sleep. So uh, that's really the example I like to give. It's. Uh, I think,
2: as you're describing it, I think, I mean, what do you think, Lauren? I think it's like any of these diseases, heart disease, for instance. You know, you may have a propensity for it, but if you're going to eat fast foods and, and sit on your couch and eat potato chips and never go out, you're going to you have a chance, of obviously, of developing heart disease. Same thing. You have to take responsibility for those lifestyle for your
6: lifestyle. What you eat, what you put into your body, so important. I think. Well, the beauty of this, unlike most other medical issues, where you hope your actions will cause an improvement, you know, if God forbid someone develops cancer, they they hope that the actions they take will help. You're never sure. But with diabetes, even taking a few extra steps, even uh, parking your car in the back of a lot and walking to the grocery store uh, with those few extra steps will definitely make you healthier. We see huge improvements with even with small steps, and that's the that's the beauty of diabetes. That's the. I, I pre, you've given us lots of good information, Janice
2: Rosler. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning.
6: Well, thank you. If I could just share a quick website, if anyone is interested yeah, give in the, the website. Johnson, pardon?
2: Yeah, go ahead. Give us the website. Okay.
6: If anyone's interested in the Johnson and Johnson products, they can check out www.jnjfirstaid.com. That's J N as in noodle, J Great. Thanks so much.
2: We're going to take a short break. Lauren Beller, Blake, Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to Voice America Variety. We'll be back in a minute with our next guest, Michael Bungay Stainer. Do more great work.
4: Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. If you're a parent, you face all kinds of challenges. You know you're a good parent, but we have a show that may help you become a better one. It's called The Book of Dad Radio Show, hosted by expert husband and wife team Robert and Ulet Benson. This program will answer your questions about a variety of topics that parents need to stay on top of. It's a roundtable of discussion that's great for the weekend or anytime. Tune in to the Book of Dad radio show every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today
2: We're back. I'm Catherine Brock with Lauren Deller-Blake, and you're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Joining Lauren and me this morning uh, is author Michael Bungay, Stainier, founder and senior partner of Box of Crayons, a company that works with organizations ranging from AstraZeneca to Xerox to help them do more great work. And he has a new book, Do More Great Work, Stop the Busy Work, and Start the Work That Matters, uh, do more great work, gets to the heart of the problem, even the best performers are spending less than a fraction of their time doing great work, the kind of innovative work that pushes us forward, stretches our creativity, and truly satisfies us, says Michael. Um, He was, or is, the Canadian Coach of the Year in 2006, business consultant and author. Welcome to the show, Michael. Catherine, thank you so
7: much for having me here.
2: Well, we have a question to pose to you. Actually, Lauren, the question that you asked, that you posed to me earlier, Uh about, okay, doing more
3: great work, we could do better work if we shorten the work week. Yeah, so here's here's the thought, is what if we shortened the work week, have people work less, and the pay is, you know, that's, I'm not, well, let's not get into the pay issue, but to shorten the work week, have people more focused on getting the job done, Therefore, creating more work-life balance, so life's not so out of whack to one extreme or the other at this point. And um, I think my sense is it would make our economy come back because more people would need to be working out in the world.
7: Well, you know, I think that's a really interesting idea. Here's part of the challenge, which is the work we have expands to fill the time we give it. And you know, I say there are, in the book, I say there are three types of work. There's bad work which is the bureaucratic waste of time, you know, mind-sapping, life-sucking type of work. There's good work, which is your standard, productive, efficient, getting things done type of work. It's sort of your job description. And then there's this great work I'm talking about, the meaningful, engaging work that really makes a difference. Yeah. And the challenge, and this is what your question points to, is that our good work is just ubiquitous and never-ending. It keeps expanding and actually setting up some structures to sort of limit the amount of good work you do is absolutely the key to actually opening up more time and space to focus on your great work. So, you know, I think you're onto something.
3: All right, so you
2: could do, like Lauren, like what you're saying is you can do great work in a shorter period of time. If, I assume, Michael, you're saying we follow the steps in your book about how to do the great work in a shorter period of time, because you're very clear about very simple kinds of things too about what we need to do or how we can do that. So let's, let's start with, well, you talk about defining three things in order to do great work. What does that mean?
7: Well, part of, part of what you need to do is you need to, be, you need to get focused on two things to help you do more great work. The first thing you need to focus upon is actually what do you care about, what matters to you. It's one of those fundamental pieces for any, any sort of change which is what matters to me, what do I care about because if you don't know what lights you up, if you don't know what engages you, if you don't know what's meaningful for you, it's going to be pretty hard to discover it when you look for it in the world. But you also need to focus on where are the opportunities to do great work around you. So many of us get into the process where we're just trying to get through our inbox and our in-tray and get to all the meetings we've been you know, subscribed to, that we're actually not trying to super focus on one thing. We're just trying to survive the flow coming at us. And I think if you can actually bring focus to what's around you and go, of all the stuff that I could turn into great work, this would be the one piece I would focus on. This would be my great work project, and actually picking that and running with a so I'm going to dedicate more time and energy to a great work project and less time to the other stuff that's coming at me. Starts addressing some of those balance issues that you were talking about earlier.
2: So, in other words, be more take the offensive rather than the defense. I mean, like right. just, because You know,
7: in, in what, the defensive, I mean, what, what I hear you saying is to... we
2: get so much stuff thrown at us at work every day, and right. we're just kind of trying to bounce off of that. Don't do that. Don't allow that to happen to you in the workplace.
7: Yeah, and you know, it's not going to have to change overnight, but here's a tactic that might help some people actually start moving onto to the offense. I like the way you put that. And it's about learning how to say no. Now of course there's a challenge with that, of course, because most of us struggle to say no. Unless it's a telemarketer or maybe a spouse, everybody else it's like, I don't really want to upset you or offend you by saying no. So my tip that I would offer up is to learn how to say yes slowly. And here's what I mean by that. The problem most of us fall into is that we say yes quickly as a default response to requests request that's made of us. If you learn how to ask some questions, why are you asking me? Who else have you asked? When you say it's urgent, what do you really mean by that? If I could only do part of this project, what part would you want me to focus on? Asking questions like that will slow down the rush of things coming at you and be more selective about what you actually end up doing.
2: That's really good stuff, and I think particularly at work, I know for myself when I've been in situations when I'm working for someone else, I say yes because I think that's going to get me somewhere. If I keep saying yes to everything, my boss is going to want to give me a raise. I'm going to get a, you know get higher up on the uh, work echelon, all of that, but. That's not necessarily so, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, You have to practice that. But you just said something. Say no, like you say to your husband. How about that, Lauren? That's easy. My partner, I can say no to him very easily. (laughs) really easy. You don't have to think about the yes. So you can kind of, you know, uh, that's a great idea. So anyway, so ask these three questions before you say yes. That's really simple, but I would think extremely effective so that you don't get involved in doing all this stuff that that prevents you from doing great work. Um, time your meetings I mean and I guess you can be really specific about that what do you mean by that time your meetings
7: Well, just as you were saying, great work expands to fill the time you give it. Actually, the the meetings expand to fill the time you allot those. So here's the deal. If you have a one-hour meeting at the moment, experiment by cutting it down to a 30-minute meeting. Because with 30-minute meeting, it sort of focuses the mind, and you have to go, we have to be efficient to get through what we need to get through. If you're running a 30-minute meeting, try out doing a 15-minute meeting. The challenge is meetings become a default process for many of us in business it's like when in doubt hold a meeting and for many of us meetings are becoming the bane of our existence we show up and we're in meetings from eight o'clock till six o'clock and then somehow we have to do our real work outside those times so start getting ruthless about pruning your meetings shrink them down and figure out which are the bottom 10 percent of your meetings the meetings where you are least productive least useful learning not very much where you're sort of a pulse in the room but not much more And just stop going to those altogether because they are truly wasting your time.
2: And you talk about what Google does. This is kind of interesting for their meetings, so that they don't have these. Their meetings don't go overtime. They project a four.
7: Yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, Google, you know, famous company, obviously doing really well, so they've got some things, they know what they're doing. And they're really clear that the time of their people is one of their most valuable resources, and they don't want to waste it. And of course, that's what meetings often do. You don't really notice how much of people's time that you're wasting. So what they do at Google is they project a four-foot clock onto the wall in the meeting room. So it is really obvious that time is a ticking and that you have a limited amount of time to get stuff done, and it, it seems to work pretty well for them. It seems to get them into their meetings and out of their meetings fast.
2: I love that. I think that's, so, it's a, it, that's such a simple concept and so easy, but it sure makes it real.
7: Exactly. All
2: right, so we have a couple minutes left. Um, one of the other things that, and I, I try to do this myself, I think this is real important, you talk about changing places uh, that changing places will help you to be more productive. Okay, Michael, explain
7: that to us. Sure. So when we get into work, typically what most of us do is we show up to our regular work desk, we turn on the computer and we start cranking through our emails. And what happens is that sort of sets up our brain and our body to be in good work mode. Good work, productive, efficient, getting stuff done, and of course there's a role for that. But you need to think differently to do great work, because great work is your planning, your problem solving, your creativity, your strategic thinking and actually one of the ways to get your brain to think differently is to give it a clue with your body about how to think differently so in my office I have two small desks I have one where my computer is and that's where I be productive and then I have another which is we're relatively free of junk doesn't have any technology on it and that is my great work desk
2: so and we, we have to end on that that's a great over. suggestion if you want to know more you can purchase Michael's book do more great work stop the busy work and start the work that matters Thanks so much for being on the show this morning, Michael.
7: It's a pleasure. Thanks for your time.
2: Great book. Lauren, we have to say goodbye. Excellent. It was a great. That was good information. I loved it.
3: I'm going to go get yeah, the book. Yeah, that's a really good book. Very practical, simple, but, you know, the stuff, it works. It does. And it's like, it's so timely with this economy.
2: Exa- yes, it is. So we've got to tell our listeners, go out, buy this book. It's great, because there are more things that we didn't get to talk about. Um, okay, Lauren, good luck with the girls.
3: Thank you. You have a great day. They
2: were great, yes. Lauren Beller, Blake, Catherine Zox, you're listening to Voice America. You have been listening to it. I hope you had a great morning. Lauren and I did. Um, have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday.